We're in the top 1% of people on the globe in income at about two, $3,000, less than $50,000 a year. But when I read Malachi chapter 3, I think to myself, I don't want to rob God. And listen, people say to me all the time, they say, Pastor Daniel, I just, how do we do this tithing thing? I say, it's a faith walk. It's easy to trust God in a lot of things, but it's hard to trust God with our finances because dollars and cents don't lie. It's hard to remove yourself from guiding your own life. But as a believer, God wants to direct your path. As we listen to Pastor Daniel's message about the Ten Commandments, we'll consider the issue of stealing. Stealing can be at the heart of keeping our lives from the Father. It's not just monetary, although that can be a stumbling block for us as well. Listen and be challenged to consider your own heart when giving. Is it under the law or grace? Now, here's Pastor Daniel with his continuing study entitled, Ten Commandments. We're doing the Ten Commandments, part four. So we're kind of like doing like the Lord of the Rings of the Ten Commandments here. We're going to finish the Ten Commandments tonight, Lord willing. If I don't get too far off on any one tangent in any one direction. But if you remember the flow of the Ten Commandments, I think it's important. Because the first three commandments deal solely about our relationship with God. It says that we can only worship the true and living God. So you have to worship the true God. The second commandment is about idols, which means you can't worship the true God in a false way. So it's not technically enough just to get the right God. You need to worship that God in the proper way. Then the third commandment is we don't want to take God's name in vain. And we talked about how that's not only the way we speak. Taking God's name in vain, God's name is equivalent to his nature. So we want our worship of this true and living God to be a response to his nature. And so we may never use God's name in a pejorative way or in a negative way like you see it so often on the television or in in kind of common uh, language today, you may never do that, but you still may live in a way that you take God's name in vain because you're not responding to God's nature, which is primarily holy and loving. So taking God's name in vain is a greater concept than just our words, but it does include our words. Right, And then you get to the fourth commandment, which the fourth commandment ends up functioning as almost like a pivot commandment, because it really deals with our, both our relationship with God and then our relationship with one another, and that's the idea of the Sabbath day. Because we need that rest to be charging on all cylinders. We made the point that Jesus is our Sabbath rest. That's why Christians for 2,000 years haven't legally observed the Sabbath In the same way, there's a lot of Christians who are still hung up on some of that stuff. But they just need, you need to read the the book of Hebrews and you need to read the Gospels because Jesus keeps saying, man was not made for the Sabbath, Sabbath was made for man. So the lesson is we do need to learn how to rest 
Because we do live in a culture that has an inappropriate relationship with its jobs. We have workaholics here, maybe the only culture in the world that has that sickness. You go to Europe, they say, man, what's wrong with you people over there? I say, I don't know, we got problems, you know. We don't want to have an a relationship to our jobs that is unhealthy. And, and for those of us who struggle with that, you have to remember that when you have a relationship to your job that is, that is borderline idolatry or sinful, you're just living out the curse of Adam from Genesis chapter three, right? So it all begins on the, on the vertical axis, us and God. And then it gets to us and other people. Honor your parents. Cause, and we talked about this, about how your, the family was God's ordained discipling unit for society. And we talked about that. And then, of course, you get into the other commandments like you shall not commit murder. That's with premeditation. You shall not commit adultery. These are all things. And we talked about all of these last week. So today in verse 15, we pick up now with you shall not steal. You shall not steal. You find it again stated the exact same way, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 19. Now, stealing is simply taking something that is not yours. And if you think about the idea of stealing or theft, it's actually a double sin. Because when you steal from somebody else, first it's a sin against God because you're accusing him of not giving to you adequately. You're saying, God is not taking care of me in the way that he ought to, so I'm going to take what's not mine. So that's the vertical problem. And then, of course, on the horizontal level, it's a sin against love because it's a denial of loving your neighbor as yourself. Because, you know, if I just came over and stole your stuff, you'd be like, "That's what are you doing? That's wrong. Okay? So, so this commandment is that we, it's really about being content with what we have. That's the root of it. The reason we would steal is because we're not contented with what God has given us. And the apostle Paul makes the case that in all ways, he has learned how to be content. Now, what is terrifying is that if you really think about your life, we've all stolen things in a lot of different ways. Maybe a little cheating on your taxes. Maybe taking a couple stamps from your office. Maybe when you were six years old, you... You went to the, your favorite convenience store and, you know, and, and it's like, if, you know, there's those little bubble gum. Yeah, you guys, I've done that. I, I had a friend, honestly, who, who used to steal when he was growing up from, from the convenience store down the road. And when he got saved, he went back and he brought him a hundred bucks. And he said, when I was between the ages about 14 and 18, I stole a lot of stuff from you guys. And, and I'm just, and I'm totally, I felt I became a Christian and it was, it was wrong and I was stealing and I want to try and make it right. And he said the guy behind the counter got hysterically laughing at him. But yeah, I mean, it happens. We, we do it. If we're honest, we're all thieves on a certain level. So you should not take what's not yours. Now, the problem and the reason why we do steal things is it's, it's a heart problem. Listen to Jesus in Matthew chapter 15, verses 18 to 20. For those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murderers, adultery, fornications, thefts, and then also false witnesses, which we're going to get to next, and blasphemy. These are the things which defile a man. See, at the heart of the law, we've said, is what? It's the law of the heart. 
Laws were given because humanity's heart is wrong. And the universal human condition is that left up to our own devices, all of us will do what is right in our own eyes at the expense of other people. That's the human condition in whatever culture you're living in. And so this commandment goes to the human heart. We have to learn how to be content with what God has entrusted to us. Because if we don't, then we begin this process of taking what is not ours. Now, I want to read to you Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, because I think this is really important. And I love the way the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is thinking. He says, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Now, if you notice the Apostle Paul in these verses, and he does it a number of times in that section at the end of Ephesians chapter 4, most of us would say, well, I used to steal, and now I don't steal anymore, and, that, and I'm okay. But if you think about it, that's just kind of good old-fashioned Western self-help. I used to steal, and now I don't anymore. I used to do X, and now I don't anymore. Which is just, you're, you're not really stepping into God's abundance or God's best for your life. You're just not doing the wrong thing you used to do. And I want to encourage you not to be content with just substituting a bad action with non-action. Because he says, let him who steal, steal no longer, but rather let him labor. Why? That he may have something to give those who have need. So God's best for your life and my life is not, I used to steal, now I don't anymore. I, I used to do something bad and now I stopped doing it. God's best for your life is I used to do something bad I stopped doing that, and now I'm generous. Does that make sense? So we want to take it all the way to that step, that Jesus step. That Jesus step of now I am a blessing to the world. So if you're in here today, and I'm, I'm quite sure either here in this sanctuary, listening in another venue, watching this online, you got the iPhone app or wherever, someone gave it to you. You know, I'm quite sure there's people who even today, you guys are ripping somebody off. You're stealing from somebody. Yes, stop doing that. And you should probably make restitution for whatever it was. But don't be content just to stop being a thief. Be a giver. Be a, a blesser. Be somebody who's generous. Because that's the step that God wants to take all of us to. He wants to take us to that next step. Now, according to the New Testament, there are really three different ways that we can steal from God. First is with our very lives. If we try and keep our lives for ourselves, then we are actually robbing God. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I was just reading. You guys know I, I like reading philosophy, of course, because I'm a Christian. I like reading philosophy. C.S. Lewis ends up getting a good bit of, of play in my reading because he was a Christian and he was a philosopher. And it's interesting, if you read the screw tape letters, the screw tape letters are really, it's C.S. Lewis's way of, he's catching a dialogue between a group of demons. 
And they're talking about how they enslave people. And I was just reading this section where he was talking about when they want to encourage humanity to have an idea of self-ownership. Because right as you say, my life is mine, you're stealing from God. And if you think about American culture that we live in in this day and age in 2013, that's a big thing, right? Like people say, don't make laws on my body, right? And we all feel that way. Don't tell me what to do with my life. What's amazing about this is we all feel that way on a certain level, but the sentiment, the motivation to that is purely sinful because our lives are not ours. The breath we have, it's gift. The, the, our heart's beating, gift. The talents we have, gifts. The ability to hone those talents and make them marketable skills, gifts. So brothers, sisters, don't steal from God by withholding yourself, withholding your body. You are not your own. You might pretend that you are, but it's really not. It'd be like if you stole my car and you were driving, it's my car, right? And you get pulled over and whose car is it? It's my car. Well, your name's not on the title. There's this guy's name, Daniel Fusco. Who's that? Oh, he's my pastor. (laughs) You might think it's your car, but guess what? It ain't your car. You may be convinced that it's your car, but it's not. So one of the ways we steal from God is by thinking our lives are our own. And the beauty is, is when we relinquish our lives, when we say, look, this life is not mine, it's yours, Lord, then the magic happens. This is personal for me because when I first got saved, as many of you know, I was pursuing a career in music and things were just going great. I was in a band, we were on the road, we were putting out albums, it was all happening. I had these visions of me on the cover of Bass Player Magazine. You know, and I just had this idea of me like holding my bass out with like a face like, you know what I mean? Like the blue steel face. For those of you who know the blue steel face, I just had these visions of that. And I remember the Lord just saying to me, Daniel, and, I, and when I got saved, I never even asked, Lord, is this what I'm supposed to do with my life? And what was amazing is, is when I finally got to the point to say, Lord, what do you want for my life? He's like, I have something else for your life. And he's like, I called you to the ministry of the word. You know what's amazing about this? 15 years after making that decision, I play more music in a given year than the guys I was playing in a band with. Because God didn't say, look, I don't want you to play music at all. He's just saying, I just don't want your life to be focused on that. And what's beautiful is, is now that I'm walking what I believe to be in the steps that God has for my life, now I enjoy music way more than I ever did because my identity is not wrapped up in it. Because when you're free and you're taking the steps that God wants for you, he'll give you the desires of your heart and then some. I have more fun playing music now than I ever had in my life because it's not an idol. See, I think that's why so many people, we live in a culture where everybody just wants to do their own thing and everyone's miserable. You know, I always think of that song by uh, Sheryl Crow, and I'm going to use a a slight expletive in it, but I'm just going to quote the lyric and, you know, but there's that song, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. If it makes you happy, then why the hell are you so sad? And that's our culture. Everybody's doing what makes them happy, but everybody's miserable. Why? Because they're living their own life and they're not relinquishing the will of their life to God. And, and listen, I'm not talking about people outside the church either. I'm t- I, can we, we'll be honest, we're all living there, right? We all struggle 
to say, Lord, I believe in you. I trust in you, but Lord, I really like my life and I have my own plans. And I believe we need to say, God, I take my hands off. I surrender. That old song, I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. And that's a hard, and listen, we need to provoke one another to that, to good works that way. Because it's hard. It's hard to take your hands off. But that's one of the ways we rob from God. Another way, of course, remember when they asked Jesus about paying taxes to Caesar? In Matthew 22, he said, whose image and inscription is on this coin? And he said, Caesar, and he said, render to Caesar's the things which are Caesar's and to God the things which are God's. And they didn't know what to say. But if you think about what he's saying, he's not only talking about paying taxes. Because whose image and inscription is on you and I? God's, right? Let us make man in our image, it says in Genesis 1.27. So give Caesar what's his, or we like to say give Uncle Sam what is his, but then you need to give God what's his. Same idea. Of course, biblically speaking, tithing is a way that we rob God. If we do not tithe, I'm going to read Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 to 10. Will a man rob God? Question mark. Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what ways have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Now, we're in church, right? Someone's bound to say, well, tithing, that's not New Testament. That's Old Testament. People say it all the time. Pastor Daniel, what's your view on tithing? Now, we know that the word to tithe means a tenth. And we know that God's law is the righteous requirements of God, right? And then you get into 2 Corinthians chapter 9, which tells you that God loves a cheerful giver. Now, don't ever for one second think that God's grace will make us cheap. Not for one second. God's grace makes us generous. Why? Because God is generous. I'll be honest with you. I prefer the law. Because I get 90, God gets 10. But when you're a grace giver, 100% of it is on the table, isn't it? Because Jesus gave everything. Now, the next thing people say, well, Pastor Daniel, come on, we're four or five years into a bad economy. Do you realize, do you realize that if you make about $48,000 a year, which happens to be the um, $10,000 less than the median income of a family in Clark County, you are in the top 1% wealthiest people in the world? So you know all this Occupy Wall Street? If we had Occupy the Globe, people are picketing us. Do you realize that? Even in the midst of a bad economy, we're in the top 1% of people on the globe in income at about two, $3,000 less than $50,000 a year. But when I read Malachi chapter 3, I think to myself, I don't want to rob God. And listen, people say to me all the time, they say, Pastor Daniel, I just, how do we do this tithing thing? I say, it's a faith walk. 
it's easy to trust God in a lot of things, but it's hard to trust God with our finances because dollars and cents don't lie. Dollars and cents don't lie. And it's not a question of if we can, it's a question of do we want to? And don't get me wrong, I'd rather more channels on my TV. I'd rather another new shirt to go with the hundred other ones that are sitting in there that I barely fit in anymore. But the Bible says that we're robbing God if we're not generous in our giving. The statistics on giving within the Christian church are so horrendous. It's something like less than 2% of people who are committed to Jesus are actually tithers. Less than 2%. Now listen, as a pastor, they almost like train you in guilt. It's like they almost like you get a PhD in how to be, make people feel guilty. I don't want you to feel guilty. But I do want you to experience God's grace in your finances. You know, we don't do sermon series on giving here at Crossroads. But I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater either and not give you a good, biblical, honest exposition of what it means to follow Jesus. And if you are not a biblical giver, a generous giver, then you are missing out on experiencing God's grace in your finances. And people always say, well, I'm too much in debt. I can't do it. Do you ever think that maybe the reason you're in debt is because you're robbing God? And he can't bless and take care of it because you're not to be trusted with it? Did you ever think that? See, I got blessed. I got saved. I was so poor and dumb that I just like, oh, it says give a tenth. Now, I mean, I used to go play a gig, jazz musician, get 40 bucks. Like, Lord gets his four. Woo-hoo. You know? It wasn't big money. See, this is what I love about God. He's so just. Because unlike the American government where they think people who do better should get taxed more, God just says, everyone, it's the same percentage for everybody. It's the same percentage for everybody. So for everybody, it feels the same. Now we might say, oh, well, someone's got more, could give more. Listen, no, no, no. It's, we're all in it together. We're all in it together. We all feel it the same way. And I just think God's totally cool because if I was God, I'd say, listen, you guys live on 10, I get 90. That's what I'd say. I mean... That's why I'm not God. And you're all like, praise Jesus. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Jesus died on the cross. Pastor Daniel wants 90. You know what I mean? <laughs> but brothers and sisters, listen. If God is for us, then who can be against us? And we want to experience God's grace in every area of our lives, not only in our relationship with him and our relationship with each other, but also in these areas of such stress, right? Finances are such a stressor. But if we don't honor God there, we'll never experience His grace there. And I'll be honest, I have had a lifestyle of tithing. And I have seen God provide for me in the most radical ways. Like, I could spend the rest of the night just telling you stories. When I got married, I was making $18,000 a year. And we got pregnant in six weeks. And I watched how God worked that all out. Jesus is... isn't just taking an object from a store or someone's property from their house. As we heard today, when we are selfish about our lives, only doing what we want to, we're in effect stealing from God, doing our thing, 
instead of His will. We're so happy that you're a part of the Jesus is Real Radio family. Jesus is Real Radio is a listener-supported program. We want to let the whole world know that Jesus is real. Your donations help make this possible. You can become a monthly supporter or give a one-time gift by text message. It's easy. Simply text your gift to 855-910-8300. That's 855-910-8300. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will talk about the commandment regarding bearing false witness against our neighbors. There are surprising ways we all do this. Pastor Daniel will break it down. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series entitled Sinai. Until then, may God bless. <laughs>